Hello, listeners, and welcome to this special episode from the archives. This is a golden oldie full of great evergreen advice for writers. It's a rerun, basically. Whilst we work on something very, very special. Or very, very special indeed. We were so young and naive, weren't we, Mark? Oh, we were, but our guests, our guests were brimming with wisdom. So enjoy. And we'll be back next week with a brand spanking new episode of The Bestseller Experiment. To read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of The Bestseller Experiment by the two Marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality. And subscribe to this podcast to get loads of extra bonuses. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Bestseller Experiment, where we discover what makes a best-selling novel while trying to write, publish and market one in just a year. Crikey. I'm Mark Stay. And I'm Mark DeVoe. We'd like to welcome you. Thank you for joining us today. And in this journey, we want you to come with us. Are you thinking about writing a bestseller? Have you written a book? Are you in the middle of writing one? Because you can join in and in the next 52 weeks, we are going to bring you some of the most incredible authors, million-selling authors, million-selling publishers who are going to give us the inside scoop as to what it takes to write a bestseller. Are you up for the challenge, Mr. Stay? No. <laughs> this is why people have to join us. This is insane. This idea that you and I, I mean, I've, I've, I'll give you a bit of background. I've, uh, I've worked in publishing book selling for over 20 years now. I've written a screenplay called Robot Overlords, which has been to a film with Gillian Anderson, Ben Kingsley, which is great. And I did the novelization of it as well. So I, I've written a book. I've had it published. I've been through the process. Uh, it's not as easy as people think. It really isn't. Um, so I think even if we don't do it, I think there's going to be someone out there who can. And that's why it's essential people come with us on this journey because we're just going to crash and burn, baby. We are. But I, I'm the convinced crash. there's someone out there who can do this. Yeah, we're actually the crash test authors, if you think about it, Mark. <laughs> exactly. We are yes. getting in that car. We're not allowed seatbelts. <laughs> it's not a temper glass. And all I, see in, all, all I see right now is this brick wall in front of us and a brick on the acceleration <laughs> pedal. So um, just to put in context, you know, obviously I've got this, what I feel is quite a, an awesome partner in crime here. He's actually been there and done it. But you see, my background is I'm the guy who's tried to write 20 books, but never finish one of them. So I'm the one that's going to be asking all the daft questions. So Mark, you just have to be, be prepared for some real stinkers. And because okay. this is all new to me, you know, I'm, I'm, I just started getting into writing about six months ago, having, having joined a writer's group here. Um, right. But one of the writers in that group has sold a million and a half books. And we're going to get her on the show later on. Partly inspired right. this whole thing, actually. So there is great feedback we can get from all these people. But my background is actually, weirdly enough, nothing to do with writing. I come from the music industry where I've had a bit of success and got a few albums out there and played Glastonbury and the like and signed to Warner. So I'm really interested, Mark, in finding out how, you know, this, you can, if you can translate success from one thing to another. And also like the, how the music industry mirrors what's happening in, in the uh, publishing industry. Because I think that the, the music industry is a, about a year or two ahead in terms of all the crazy stuff that's happening with digital, you know, whether it's eBooks or whether it's MP3. So I'm hoping to try and bring a few kind of observations to what I've experienced in the music industry and see if they can be applied to what's happening in the publishing industry today. Because to be honest, no one has a clue, right? I mean, really. In either industry, no. I mean, it's all the, down. The, pu the the publishing industry has seen, has seen more change in the last sort of 
well, five, six, seven years than it has in its probably since the the Gutenberg printing press. You know, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's been colossal, absolutely colossal. And what hasn't happened has been, you know, ebooks haven't taken over the world, but they are a new way of reading. It's a different way of reading. It's a way of reaching a market that maybe never read before. And it's a way for authors who might never have been published before to get their voice out there and uh, get a readership and, and get their books read, which is really exciting. Yeah, it's, we're in a time of change. I always say to my kids, kids, when you look back on this period in history, because it is, it's one of those moments in, in I honestly, if we were to bring out the big zoom lens, they'll be talking about this crazy moment. The, you know, the, the internet is, is really just coming out of a teenage life. And, uh, you know, we look at what's happened in the last couple of years and the rate of change is incredible. So I think, I think there's a massive opportunity because the models are breaking down. There's, there's opportunities for, for indie authors, maybe, um, even for established authors to, to find something brand new to do. And so we're going to be exploring that side of things as well. So Mark, we have quite the guest, uh, for our yeah. first episode. Tell us a bit about our special guest today. Yeah, well, Vix Tranter works for uh, the Orion Publishing Group, which is part of the Hachette Publishing Group, who are one of the biggest publishing groups in the world. Tell us, uh, who, they, who do they own? They, they've got loads of companies, haven't they? Well, they, they, they own uh, Orion, which is the company I work for, uh, Hod and Stoughton, uh, Little Brown Books, Ooh, uh, they're big. Octopus, yes, uh, um, Octopus, uh, Hachette Children's Books. Uh, they just bought an app company as well, which is something they're, they're, uh, they're you know, they're very future thinking, very forward thinking. So they are huge and they publish authors such as Ian Rankin, Michael Connolly, Neil Gaiman, uh, J.K. Rowling, you may have heard of, uh, you know, some yeah. really, really big names. Stephen uh, King in Headline, is that another one? Stephen King's in Hodder. Oh, Stephen King's at Hodder, yes. Right. Uh, Who's in headline? And, um, it's Neil, Neil Gaiman's in headline, isn't it? Neil Gaiman's at headline. You've got authors like Martina Cole. Um, so really big names, really, really big names and uh, a very diverse list. And Vix works in what's called the Consumer Insight Division. Now, this is fairly new to publishing, but it's something other industries have done for a long time, which is uh, she speaks to people who buy books and speaks to the customers and tries to give them a voice in the whole publishing process and we'll hear that how that works later on but i think what we need to find out from vix is who buys best-selling books what sort of people buy them and who are we writing for so you know she she will be able to bestow her wisdom upon us Vix, thank you so much for taking the time to see us today. I know incredibly busy you are. Now, you work uh, in the Orion Publishing Group's uh, consumer, you're their consumer insight manager. What is consumer insight? Well, put quite simply, basically, it just ensures that the voice of the consumer is put in the heart of the publishing process. So it means that we're going out with the right message, the right product to the right consumer at the right time. So it's really looking at consumer data, but also industry data to make sure ultimately we, ultimately we sell as many books as possible. So you actually go out there and you speak to real people. We do speak to real people. We do large surveys, but we also do focus groups and get people in the office as well, um, which is really, really valuable. And this is... This this is quite a new thing. Uh, not new to me, no, uh, but no, certainly but new for, to publishing. publishing it is, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, the department was set up three years ago in Hachette, um, so we've been running for that time. Because yeah. um, just to give you some idea, Mark, um, we'd sit in meetings talking about books that we were looking to acquire, that we look, that maybe aren't selling as well as we thought they might, and we'd say, well, we 
we think this fiction is the sort of thing that, I don't know, women in their 30s might read. We're, and you kind of would all shrug and go, yeah, I, I guess so. Uh, yeah, that, let's do that. And then it doesn't work for, you know, for whatever reason. Because, I mean, partly, you know, publishing is predominantly very white, it's very middle class. You know, it's, it's a lot of the same people sitting in the room. So no wonder we were getting it wrong. And part of the joy of seeing Vix join Orion is seeing her astonished face in some of the meetings, <laughs> <laughs> some of the decisions we've made. So, but now you've, you've been gathering information for about three years. Yeah. Can you tell us, you know, as we set out on this quest to, to somehow create a bestseller, can you tell us who buys books? <laughs> well, the answer to that question is a lot of people buy books. Um, our research shows that four in five people will have bought a book in the last year, which is absolutely huge. Um, they might be buying one book, but they might be buying lots of books, but four in five have bought a book. Um, what's interesting, though, is when you look at that group of people and sort of break it down by demographics, there aren't actually that many differences. Slightly more female, which perhaps we'd expect to be higher, and sort of no difference by age. What is really different, though, is when you look at the passion for reading, um, and that does differ by those sort of basic demographics that you were talking about. So slightly more female and passion does seem to increase as you get older. But that's pretty big, right? So we're looking at females, older females. That is a huge, huge number of people. So we try to then break that down and define the market further so you can be much more specific about what you're targeting. So, OK, well... That's encouraging. Two of us are blokes, Mark. We need to write for females. <laughs> it's a good start. There's a lot of men that write books. It just needs to be slightly higher amongst females in terms of this passion for reading. Okay. Sorry, Vix, I was going to say, I'm really interested in that word you used, passion. So when you, when you talk about passion, what, how, do you, how do you define it? You're not talking about romance novels. No, no, no. So on the survey, we looked at people, we asked the question, you know, how passionate are you about reading? And we took those top people up the, um, at the end of the scale that said they were really passionate about books. But I think what's also really interesting is um, whether you break the market down by genre as well. So we've done some research looking into the key genres and actually crime and thriller comes out as the, the sort of genre that people are reading most. So about a third say they've read um, a crime or thriller book in the last year and there's a big chunk of fans within that market. And then as you go down, um, you've got also the sort of science fiction fantasy, but they're much lower in terms of the proportion of people that read them. And that's reflected in sales as well. When you look at the overall sales for the print market, um, there's much higher uh, sales for the crime, th uh, thriller and mystery sort of uh, class that we look at, um, as well as the sort of more general li literary fiction as well that's out there. It's interesting because the last few years, bestsellers have been dominated by books like Gone Girl, Mm -hmm. Girl on the train. Mm -hmm. I think having the word "girl" certainly will help us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, there's definitely a pattern emerging here. But I think if you're looking at titles, I think what's quite important there is a title that's easy to remember. I mean, it sounds really simple, but as your average Joe consumer, if you want to tell your friend about it, which is one of the key ways in which people find out about books, you need to be able to remember that title. So, Gone Girl, Girl on the Train, they all are quite sort of simple, easy to remember titles. They also kind of sell the concept as well, don't they? Absolutely. Girl on the train, witnesses a murder. Yeah. Gone girl, girl is gone. I mean, she did it in two uh, words. Girl with a tattoo. Yeah, girl with a girl with an tattoo. earring. Yeah. It's, I mean, we could maybe go down that down that route. What's what's really interesting, Vic? So you're talking about 
again about the kind of the passion of people reading. I mean, if you're actually looking to write a bestseller, is it important to um, be getting those passionate people in in terms of longevity of career? Because I'm guessing if you if you've got someone who's passionate about you as an author, then you're likely to be able to sell more books in the long run. Is that mm. right? I mean, I think. One of the ways to sort of get that traction and to gain momentum um, for an author is to start at the core. Think about who those key influence are, those uber passionate people, the sort of book pioneers, the people that are looking for information before you even even know what the information is. You know, they're looking for anything on books. They are following their favourite authors. They're talking about their favourite authors. They're on social media. Uh, they're writing blogs about books. And those influence are absolutely key because those the people that are then going to talk to um, perhaps the, the passionate readers, not the ones that discover it. They haven't got time to discover the book, um, but they want a trusted source to get information on the next book to read to add to their list. And I think one of the biggest issues as publishers that we have to overcome is how people discover books. And still the main way in which people find out about books is word of mouth. So having those influencers talk about it, being picked up by then the passionate readers that are reading a lot of books anyway, who tend to be the sort of female 35 and maybe up to 45 readers. So we were right. <laughs> I don't know. I think having looked at the last few big sellers over the last few years, the Gone Girls, the Girl on the Train, the Elizabeth is Missing, having a look at the audiences for them, it does seem to be that they're the sort of under 35 female reader. Um, and there's got to be something in that with those best bestsellers. Very true. Very true. Interesting. So what, what does make a bestseller, Vix? Well, I did um, have a look at those, um, some of the key titles for the last few years and try to sort of unpick what sort of was similar about all of them. And we talked about the title um, and the sort of the thrillers of Gone Girl, Girl on the Train. That sort of domestic thriller clearly is um, trending at the moment. Whether that sets to continue, I don't know. But it, it seems to reflect TV as well. If you think about Broadchurch, um, Dr. Foster as well, it's that sort of almost it could happen to you kind of crime it's not like big serial killers where you think well that's that's never going to happen to me but okay most people don't um pretend they fake their own murder or um stalk their ex-husband but it's the sort of thing that you can imagine happening to someone potentially and I think there is something in all of those titles that it just feels that they are sort of more like real life um I think the other thing with those titles as well, though, is the twist and the suspense in them. If you want to recommend a book, if you want to get that word of mouth recommendation, having a twist like that is a brilliant sell, isn't it? You don't have to tell them about it, but you say, ah, oh, yeah. there's something in that book that yeah, you just true. love. Yeah. And it almost doesn't matter what genre it is. It's almost something we've twist. seen with uh, the new Harry Potter play. The whole thing has been sold on Keep the Secret. Mm, you know, yeah. and we saw that with Gone Girl as well. It's it's a book where people would talk about the initial premise, but without giving anything away, something happens mm. right in the middle of it, which is just jaw dropping. And it's that's people were pressing copies into their friends' hands, saying exactly, you have to read this. Yeah. 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 So yeah. It's almost like they want to then be able to share the secret with them once they've read it. And that's almost the attraction of bringing them into the club. But, but I know something you don't. But once you know it, we can have a good gossip about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think the other thing to remember is there's a huge group of readers that read one or two books a year. Now, they want that 
that book to be excellent. They're investing their time, their money in it. It's a big investment for a lot of people. So they want to know that it's going to be a really, really good page turner type book that they can take on holiday with them. And it's those passionate readers that are going to recommend that one book. So you need your book to be that one book that those passionate readers are going to recommend to those holiday readers, basically. And there is a lot of those. Well, so far, this sounds really, really easy. Oh, yeah, Uh, easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All all we need is a a catchy title, a word of mouth uh, success and a big twist in the middle. Uh, We'll be we'll be this, this. This series will be like three or four episodes long, you know. (laughs) <laughs> I jest. Well, we've got we've got to somehow work work the word girl into it as well, which I'm I'm concerned about being two British blokes. You know, it's about relating, isn't it, Vix, to the reader? I mean, mm-hmm. how do how do two blokes like us relate to to those to those readers if we're going to try and aim for a, say a female market? I think you just need to talk to them. The best way of finding out and getting under the skin of them is to go talk to them. Uh, Maybe you need some focus groups. As a researcher, of course, I'm going to recommend a focus group. Um, But I think just talking about issues, um, talking about what they like to read, getting a real understanding of um, how reading almost fits into their their life um, would probably give you a good indication of the sorts of things that they'd like to read about. Um, I mean, other than that, I suppose, given that bloggers and those sort of key influencers are so um, important in all of this, perhaps talking to them as well, looking online, looking at what bloggers tend to talk about as well, um, could be really valuable as well. I think also we're, we're going to have to, you know, actually read some of these books yes. <laughs> to see what makes them tick. The big, the big joke in Orion, I've worked at Orion, you know, for 13 years now and uh, Gone Girl's been out, it came out five years ago, six years ago. 2013, I think it was. Oh, okay. I've, I've not read it. I've not, I, I'm pretty much the only person in the building who's not read it. And I've read Gillian Flynn's other books and they're terrific and I've just not got round to it. I saw the film, love the film, so I know the twist is coming. Um, but yeah, I should probably read that, shouldn't I? I would, I definitely would. You'll have um, lots of time I mean, to read, read now that, that you forget your P45 tomorrow, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I think I'm the key market for those bestsellers. Like, I've read all of them, really enjoyed them. I mean, hard to understand, but I don't actually read that much. I'm, I, I've got lots of other things that I do. Um, so I pick the big books that I know people are going to talk about and I know that we're going to talk about within the business. And there is something... That, um, that does bind them all together. And that is that page turner um, feel of the book. You just can't put them down. Um, they're accessible to me. And I think that's the other thing in, in publishing. We get so caught up on how well it's, um, it's written. Mm. But actually, the average consumer just wants to whip through it. Yeah. And they want to um, have the enjoyment from it. They want to have that suspense. And then they want to talk about it afterwards. And yeah. sound clever as it's, well when it's, they are. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, people turn the nose up at writers like Dan Brown and, and mm. to a certain extent James Patterson as well because they prosaically they're very basic but I mean the thing that Dan Brown does with his books is he has I think was it Raymond Chandler says at the end of every chapter is a guy, has a guy come through the door with a gun and that just keeps you reading and, and Dan Brown essentially did that <laughs> with his books you know you got to the end and it was kind of that made no sense whatsoever but it kept you hooked it kept you reading kept you turning the page over so that's no. I don't think you want to dumb it down and be too basic, but just make it accessible. Right. So language is important because would you agree that if, if you want to whip through it, it can't be too 
kind of wordy. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I think, you know, if you want to make this book really big and you want to reach those one or two book a year readers, then they don't want anything they have to really think about. They just want entertainment, basically. Right. Okay. Again, it sounds so easy. <laughs> yeah, the silence The silence is, oh, my God, what have we let ourselves in for? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It's that golden question in publishing it, what makes a bestseller? And I think, you know, if everyone knew the answer well, to that, it would be a very different uh, market. Uh, 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 Ryan, we had uh, a member of staff who shall remain nameless, but he did say to us, he, says, he worked in our finance department, and he did say to us, why don't you just publish bestsellers? <laughs> it was just funny. The, the looks around the face, it's pure springtime for Hitler. They go, wow. Uh, but, you know, if it was that easy, we'd all be doing it, wouldn't we? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you know, Vix, at the moment, I feel a bit like, um, you know, in Pirates of the Caribbean, there's a, there's a moment in that film where, and it's the hero's journey, which I've been studying, which is the, there's always a character in every plot, which is the soothsayer. It's that you're kind of wandering through the forest looking for this person who's, who's, who can predict the, predict the future and you go into their little tent and they've got like rune stones and they can, and this is, I think we found, I think we found our soothsayer here with Vix. What do you think, Mark? We have. Definitely. I, I think we're going to be, throughout the whole of this adventure, we're going to be referring back to this first interview again and again and again, because this is all gold. This is all pure gold. Te- terrifying gold, but pure gold all the same. Before you go, Vix, we have a couple of questions that we're going to ask each of our guests when they come in. Uh, the first one is uh, I, I kind of something we'll be asking of writers, but I want to ask you as well, which is uh, what is your top tip for a wannabe writer? What would you suggest they do? Well, I think from my point of view, it comes back to knowing your customer again. It's knowing who you're writing that book for, having them in mind the whole way through so that when you come to publish it yourself or your publisher's publishing it, you've, you know what the pitch is. You know who you're aiming it as at and you can do that really easy sell because you've had that customer, that consumer in your mind the whole way through writing the book. And whether that's easy to do or not, I, I don't know. I'm not a writer. But um, from my point of view, it's having that end consumer in your mind the whole way through the process. Brilliant. And the second question is, what are you reading at the moment? Well, I'm reading Ragdoll, which is not something I would normally read. It's a crime um, debut that we're publishing later in the year. Is that right? I think it's coming January, actually. January. Yeah. Um, really enjoying it, actually. It's one of those page turners, but it's more of a procedural crime novel. Yeah. So not something I would normally read. But I am really enjoying it, actually. And I've, I think it's got some some legs. This, this will interest you, Mark, because um, the author, Daniel Cole, uh, this is his debut novel. Uh, it's been snapped up for a very, very big amount of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're making a very big deal about it next year. He originally wrote it as, a, I think, a pilot TV screenplay, took it around town. No one was interested, so he turned it into a book. The book is now with a major publisher. It's being published, and what do you know? Those TV rights have been sold just like that. <laughs> so uh, he's... Uh, Daniel's an inspiration. We should probably think about getting him on the podcast at some point as well because he's a, he's a really nice guy. Former paramedic. I think he can tell some tales. Yeah, so. I think they've done some really exciting things about building his profile up as well before the launch. Yes. Within the yeah, publicity they, team, so yeah, that might be something yeah, to look at. We should at definitely well. get him in. Definitely get him in. But in the meantime, Vix, you've been absolutely fantastic. This is uh, both wonderful and terrifying uh, and inspirational. And thanks for taking the time to speak to us. And uh, Mark, we've we've got a lot to talk about, mate. We certainly do. Thanks so much, Vix. We really appreciate your time. No worries. Best of luck. 
Wow. So lots to think about there, Mark. And I tell you what, something, if I were to summarize in a, in a couple of sentences, the things that really jumped out for me that Vix was saying, I would say that the big thing I learned was word of mouth. I didn't realize just how important word of mouth was. And, and it's the thing you can't buy. Yeah. That's the other thing you can, you can put, have big advertising campaigns. You can get the books in the front of the shop, but it is kind of one of those things you, you, you money can't buy. But I think as we'll learn, there may be other strategies to, to get that ball rolling. Anyway. Well, what's really interesting about that is it really brought to me home, you know, as a musician, I always think about what's the hook in the song. And you always have to have something that people are going to come away and remember, you know, the, the line that they sing in the shower, the melody that we hum. And I'm constantly working on that in music, but it, it suddenly drove home to me that if we're going to get this word of mouth with a bestseller, and if anyone wants to write a bestseller, then there's got to be a hook. And it's, and it's the hook that, they pass on to that next person, like the hook you mentioned about the Harry Potter play being, you know, uh, keep the secret. So we're going to have to really, I think I'd like to try and work out what our hook is before we get too deep into it rather than try and discover it down. But then you might say that's the wrong way of doing it. I don't know. What, what would you say? No, no, I, I, th I think you're absolutely right. I think any story has to be a human story that people can relate to. And Vic's made a very good point there, which is books that have been successful, like Gone Girl. Okay, we've not we've not had our wives suddenly go missing and, and have a big media circus, but there is an element of that could happen to me. I'm putting myself in the character's shoes and I'm vicariously in, enjoying this thrilling story. Mm. And I think that that's a big key. It's interesting. I was reading a, an article about why all the Hollywood blockbusters are, are failing this summer. And there's various, various reasons, but one of them is, is that maybe we're tiring of superhero stories. Maybe we need stories that relate a little bit more to who we are and ordinary people. So that's something we need to ponder on. You know, it's, it has to be a human story that people can latch onto that has some kind of common denominator. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean that in a way that it resonates with people. Well, it's you know? really interesting because in music, I call that a universal theme. So the reason why, if you analyze hit songs on the radio, about 96 to 97% of them are all about the theme around love. And there is a reason why those are the hit singles and not the, not the songs about your favorite cockroach. Because <laughs> it's about yeah. how you know, everyone can relate to love in some form, because we've all had love and we've probably all lost love. And there's people that never want love again. There's people that can't get enough of love. So the th it's, a, it's a thing that I talk about as a universal theme. So I think it's really important when we write this bestseller that this universal theme is something that people can hang their hat on so that in some ways, like you say, there is a way that they can relate to that story. Um, Definitely. It's funny. I, I was talking to a, a, a film director friend of mine the other day uh, called Mustafa Kasai and he's like the biggest 80s fan ever. The, the Goonies, Back to the Future, he's expert on all of them. But he made it, we, we've been trying to come up with ideas for a film. And he made a very interesting point, which was that all the successful kids' movies, for example, they're all about going home. Mm. They're all about getting back to home. So, you know, I think if we start looking, if we're going to be doing a thriller, then let's look at those common threads in thrillers. And, you know, I think we might have to speak to a thriller writer at some point. Well, this is the other thing that comes this, up uh, for me. I mean, the other, the other three things quickly that I learned were short, short yes, title, yes. passionate yep. readers that we've got to, we've got to get in touch with yes. the passionate readers and it's got to be an easy read. And I think those are, those are great benchmarks. We should always have those. Maybe we should create, maybe we should create a special book 
or a tip sheet for our for our listeners and for us yes. with all of these kind of what I'd call foundational rules of writing a bestseller. So, th- well, you you can call them foundational rules. I think they're going to be the uh, writer's vault of gold. Oh, I like that. I think I think <laughs> this is all going to be stuff that you know when you're starting, even if you're not starting, even doing this for years, you know, there's always a new angle. There's always a new way of doing something, and there's no better way of finding these things out than talking to writers and people in the industry themselves. Mm. So let's do that, and then what we'll do with that with that um, vault of gold is as we're writing the book. I think it's really important that we we check in with those rules and say, look, what we, where we are currently in the story, are yes. we are we on track? Because I think it's really important that writers have uh, a guide that, that kind of walks alongside them, like the, almost like the uh, the mentor in the in the hero's journey analogy. But we need something which, because you know, once we get into it and we get kind of excited and we start going off down rabbit holes and things, it's quite easy, I think, to get off track. So maybe these. It's very true. When when the last couple of things that John and I have written, we've uh, we've done it. We've written a document that basically outlines the thing that got us excited in the first place, the the spark that made us interested in it. And what you find, particularly with film, because there's so much rewriting, is you might end up going off course. And every now and then we'll, we'll refer back to that document and say, that's what got us interested in the first place. And we've moved away from it. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Have we evolved or are we just going into development hell? And it's really good to stay on track, help you stay on track, I think. I love that idea. That sounds absolutely brilliant. So we need to put that document together. And I think what we should do is, is give that away for free, maybe to, uh, to everyone listener and podcast. So if they pop along to the website, uh, they should be able to find that document. And what we'll do as a gift to everyone listening is we'll, we'll kind of append to that each week as we learn more and more so that you can kind of get your updated version. And uh, hopefully that will help our, everyone listening as they, attempt to write their bestseller as well yeah. uh, to, to stay on track. So yeah, no, sounds well, good to me. very excited. But here's the thing that came up for me, that the conflict, every good story needs a conflict, right? Absolutely. The conflict for me right now that I'm thinking, having listened to Vic's talking about thrillers and a female genre made me really uncomfortable because I don't really feel that, um, I don't feel comfortable even writing a thriller. So I'm, you know, I keep going back to this idea of, write about what you know, which is one of those classic kind of sayings you hear in the writing circles. But um, what do you think, Mark? I mean, do you, are you prepared to kind of jump outside of your comfort zone and write something which is a completely new genre? Or are you kind of feeling a bit worried about this as well? No, I, I would like to. Uh, I mean, I'm the books I'm writing at the moment, one is a fantasy book, the other is a, a children's science fiction adventure. So I think for, for this exercise, I think it behooves us uh, behooves. to behooves. Oh yeah. I'm going to be using words like that a lot uh, to step <laughs> out of our comfort zone out. because I think that's the only way we're going to learn stuff, you know? And I think yeah. we have an advantage that, uh, and our listeners have this advantage as well in that we've, you know, consumer insight is new to publishing and the publishing industry is by its nature reactive. I mean, it's people sending manuscripts all the time. The stuff that they publish is stuff that's coming to the publisher and they have this book and they say, right, who do we sell it to? And they're kind of, in a way, it's almost the wrong way around, you know? We have the advantage in that we're building this house from the ground up and using Vic's advice and the advice of people that we're going to be speaking to over the next few weeks, we, we can start building that house around their advice. And if it feels uncomfortable, 
then, you know, if we crash and burn, which I think we will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, now, there comes a pessimist in you, honestly. No, no, I, I think... I, I think we have to step outside of comfort, comfort zone because it's, uh, it's the only way you learn as well, I think, you know, so. Yeah. And I'm throwing myself into this. I'm already way outside my comfort zone, even if we're writing a children's fantasy. But anyway, yeah. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, let's let's go for it. Let's, let's um, well, let's find out. I mean, I, I think we've got a lot to do. I think we've got a lot to do. do. We, we've got to find out what genre we're going to write in. We're going to have to have conversations about that and uh, and and see where we go next. So okay, so we're go- so I think for the next session we're going to have to start to really nail down the genre. So tune in for episode two to find out what genre we pick or whether we actually bottle it and pick something completely different. So yeah, yeah, and man, so, you know, like I said, we need to start reading these books as well. So well, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Mr. Stay, we need to talk about technology. Oh, God. <laughs> yes, no, go for it. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm, I am a bit of a, a techno geek. Yes, I've noticed. And, and, you know, I think it's important, you know, we've only got 52 weeks to write this novel, so we need to be as productive and focused as we can. And oh. I used to be an MS Word guy, like pretty much everyone else. But um, I was convinced to try a piece of software called Scrivener. Have you, have you heard of it? Yes. Yes, I have, actually. I, I know lots of authors that swear by it. I downloaded it. I looked at it. It frightened me. I, I ran away. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like the people in my writing group. In fact, half the people <laughs> in my writing group are like sworn converts. It's like a religion to them. And the other half... It's, it is, yes. Yeah, and the other half say, haven't got the time to learn a new piece of software. I'm too busy writing. And besides, that's just another excuse, excuse to procrastinate. But you know what? I discovered... I, I took the plunge and honestly, it has been such a massive time saver and I couldn't use anything else. It's like this oh, moment for me. So <laughs> I, I need to convince you to use it because otherwise, um, you know, we're going back to Slate and Chalk and I just really... Don't There's nothing wrong with Slate and Chalk. <laughs> don't knock Slate. It's worked for thousands of years. Well, I mean, the big problem is you're you're a PC and I'm a Mac. I use Apple's Pages, which is beautiful, simple, uh, just gorgeous. And until I convert the rest of the world to Apple Pages, then I'm kind of on my own here. Yeah, so I know, I know, I know. Habits are hard to break, and I do know that yeah. you know, you know, there's simplicity in just use, but this is a tool for writers, you know, and that's the thing that it's actually designed for writers. Word is something that I use for everything, like whether it's just, you know, word is an abomination. I'm sorry, Microsoft, but it is. Well, word is trying, word is trying. I think it's all right. But for writing, word tries to be all things to all people at mail merge and all that sort of stuff. If you just want to write, then you need something simple that's going to help you write. You don't right, want something so that's going to... I'm going to make a deal with you. I'm going to make a deal. I'm going to try and convince you of the reasons why we need to use Scrivener. And over the next right. couple of weeks, I'm going to try and tell you some of the re- some of the things that is going to be useful as we start plotting this novel together. Because um, even with that, it's going to be a massive help. So are you up for at least kind of reconsidering it and at least see if I can... Then otherwise, I'll, we'll do Slate and Chalk if, that's what, you ha- if it's, that's, that's what you kind of insist on. You, my friend, have a deal. <laughs> I shall convert you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd like to see you try. Let's go for it. <laughs> so we're, we're going to do a little kind of regular regular couple of minutes to take a reader's question, a listener's question. There you go. And we've called it question mark, which I think's pretty corny, <laughs> but it works. So uh, we would like you to send in your burning question. What, what, what question do you have that you'd love 
Mark or myself to answer or maybe one of our guests. And so to do that, go to the website, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash question mark and give us your question and uh, we'll pick what we feel is the, the the best one each week. But this question, we this this week, because we didn't, this is the first episode, we didn't have someone submit a question online. We asked uh, someone about what was their burning question. And we had Andrew in Surrey give us the following question. What's the best way to create a daily routine to get into the habit of writing? So, Mark, maybe you'd like to give us just your your take on that very quickly, and then I'll give you my take on it. Okay. I mean, I think writing every day is important. If you, I mean, one of the best books on writing is Stephen King's book on writing, and he writes every day. And I think he said, if you write 300 words a day, by the end of the year, you've got a novel. And 300 words a day you know, professional writers, they're probably writing at least 1,500, 2,000 words a day. Um, so it's like exercising a muscle. The more you do it, the better it gets. I've also found that if you don't write for a couple of weeks, getting that ball rolling again, it's, you know, getting that momentum going is really hard work. I, I have a day job, so I write on the train to work in my lunch break and the train home. So that's 35 minutes, an hour, 35 minutes. So that's just over two hours a day done. Wow, and that's amazing. And I get that's a lot done. A you know, on, on a good day, I can get a thousand words, 1500 words done. Um, so it's, um, it, it can be done. Of course, everyone's lifestyle is different, but try and find a place or a way to write every single day. And I think you'll just find it gets easier. And this includes, you know, going on holiday and Christmas and stuff like that. I mean, it's, I, I had a very nice summer holiday, two weeks in Spain, but I, I, I was determined not to write anything. But after a couple of days, I find myself scratching notes on bits of paper. <laughs> because <laughs> That's great. what happens is you, your mind gets in that routine. It's always thinking about the story. It's your story antenna alive, you know. So just get a notebook, write stuff down, do a little bit every day. Brilliant. And I'd like to just add to that because that's something I've really struggled with. And I think that's why I've written, mm. I've started many books, but not finished them. And I think it's because I, I have this initial real enthusiasm over the story. And then I, it's not so much that I don't want to write it. It's just the habit slips. And like you say, those weeks pass. And then I think when you have a couple of weeks away from writing, your, your characters get bored of you. They're like, you've just wandered off and left them and then they get bored and they start to age. So one other thing I'm going to throw in is one thing that's working for me now is I make a determined, dogged effort. And I'm really trying to get this as a habit. And as a coach, I teach a lot of people about living their dreams. So, you know, I need to be living this one myself hmm. is that I try and write and make it the first thing I do each morning. Right. Because as someone who's an entrepreneur and runs his own business, I, I, I'm fortunate and I do have you know, the time to write, yeah. but because of that freedom, I find unless I bank it, and that's my, you'll hear that, you'll hear me saying that tons, Mark, bank it. <laughs> unless you bank it in the morning, first thing, everyone knows that things go pear-shaped during the day and you don't know what, if you're going to write in the evening, mm. you don't know what's going to happen during the day. You don't know if something's going to wear you out and you're going to get home, flop on the sofa and the last thing you want to do is write. So, I like this idea, a bit like people who go to the gym first thing in the morning. Yeah. It's this idea that bank it. So that's my that's my goal, and you've got to hold me to that. I've got to write every day for at least an hour in the morning before I, before I open my email. 
Cool. Okay. Yeah, that's right. the other thing. You know, find your distractions. Disturb, turn off all the distractions. It's interesting what you're saying about the, the difference in the morning and the evening. Because in the morning, I'm very productive. I get a lot done. My lunch break, I get a lot done. On the train home, and today it's a hot and stuffy day in England. I mean, getting in the train home, it's like getting in a sauna. And your mind is fuzzy. You're tired. I tend to edit what I've written on the way home. So I'll read it again. I'm not having to create stuff, but I'm finessing what I've already done during the day. And I find that very useful. The other mm. thing is because, you know, the train's just pulling into Waterloo and I'm mid sentence. I always quickly write myself a little message saying, this is what you were thinking. This is what you need to pick up. This is the theme you were thinking about. So when I get back in there, boom, I hit the ground running. Oh, I also, I, I also have dedicated, iPod playlists for <laughs> all the different things. And it tends to be melodic music, no lyrics, you know, really kind of easy listening stuff. Because if you're on the train, you need to have audio blinkers, you know, to cut out all, all the mm. distractions around you. And that that's, you know, over the years that I wrote a film that way, I've written a novel that way, I'm working on two other novels that way, and it's kind of worked so far. Well, it obviously works. But I, I, I love the thing you said about the fact you make yourself notes but you might unknowingly be doing a brilliant thing there, Mark, because I actually was told by a, a successful writer that they never finish a writing session with a full stop. Yeah. They always finish halfway through a sentence so that when they sit down to start the next session, they carry on the sentence rather than thinking, oh, what do I do next? So exactly. interesting. It's very true. Interesting. Very true. But let, let's, we're coming to an end now of this yes. first bestseller experiment podcast, and we hope that you've had a really interesting time listening to us waffle on about various things. Um, we wanted to uh, do a little segment as well each week where as, as a success coach and a dream coach, that's one of the things I do. I want to do this motivational minute, which I thought would be kind of a nice thing to end on to get you pumped for your week ahead as a writer. And uh, Mark, Mark said that maybe we should have some new age music playing in the background, but <laughs> unfortunately we don't have any. Um, oh, come on, you're but, a musician. Uh, don't make excuses. Maybe you could, maybe you could do some for me whilst I talk, but no, I'll, I'll promise I'll actually write something. How about that for the next session? I'll get yeah, some cheesy. Because if you don't, I'll, I'll be doing sort of noises of, of the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> you do, can you do a good whale and a, a dolphin maybe Ooh. <laughs> uh, see i've but, seen finding dory excellent so so here we go for i want to give i want to give everyone listening this week uh, i want to touch on something mark said earlier which was about living the dream and one thing that i've learned about living the dream is we all have this idea that living the dream is about reaching that point where the dream supposedly happens. You know, for an author, that might be getting the book deal or hearing about your book being turned into a film or becoming a bestseller or selling a, you know, a million copies. That might be, you know, the, the dream. What I want you to think about, though, is the minute you pick up a pen and start writing, you're actually living the dream because the dream is about the journey towards the milestone where the events, those big moments that happen is when the dream has kind of come to its fruition. So remember that every minute of every day when you're sitting and writing, when you can find those times in your day, you are actually living the dream. What do you think of that, Mark? That's, that's beautiful, man. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm moved. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm in tears. Hopefully, hopefully not rushing to the toilet moved. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely right. It's it, it's you know it's that it goes back to that Harlan Coben story where he you know you can dream about it all you want, but until you put pen to paper or you start typing, it's always going to be a dream. So get off your ass and get on with it. 
<laughs> Excellent. So we want uh, to ask something of you, and that is if you've enjoyed this very first episode, we would absolutely love for you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or every good podcast store. Um, that would really help us. And if you enjoyed it, please do leave us a review. Uh, we'd love to hear what you think, you know, some, chuck in some ideas of what you might like us to cover, for example. Definitely get to the website, get in contact with us. We're there, we're available. You can reach us on bestsellerexperiment.com. And don't forget, we've got a mailing list where you can sign up to tips, news, exclusive content, which you won't hear on the podcast, as well as updates about future shows. And uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook, Bestseller Experiment. And on Twitter, it's Bestseller XP. Is that right, Mark? That's right, at Bestseller XP. And just just for this first episode, we'll plug ourselves as well. Uh, we're both on Twitter. I'm at Mark Stay, and you are at 4,000 Saturdays. That's 4000 Saturdays. And uh, I've got a blog too called Unusually Tall Stories. Uh, so do check that out too. Marvellous stuff. And we're going to keep it a secret about who our guest is next week, aren't we, Mark? But uh, just to let people know that you definitely, definitely want to tune in. Does that Excellent. mean we haven't booked them yet? <laughs> uh, could be. <laughs> no, actually, it's it's to do with like, we've got so many people that we've got planned, haven't we? Mark? We have got a long list, Honestly. very long no, list, we have some big names. That's one thing we're going to, we're going to definitely make sure we got some incredible people coming up and a few surprises as well over the next year so do join us and don't forget to get to the website to download your copy of the free bestseller experiment ebook or vault of gold the vault of gold well. the vault of gold so thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate it and until next week it's goodbye from mark one that's that's me or is that oh me? sorry oh, okay no I, I can't remember okay. okay and it's goodbye from mark two goodbye, goodbye.